Welcome to the PEBC podcast. My name is Michelle Jones, and I am the host of our series on phenomenal teaching. This series is a collection of conversations with authors, classroom teachers, education leaders, and staff developers whose work connects with the PEBC teaching framework. In each episode, we explore how the strands of planning, community, workshop, thinking strategies, discourse, and assessment cultivate student agency, equity, and understanding across the curriculum and grade levels. We are proud to announce that Chalkbeat is our first sponsor. Chalkbeat is a nonprofit news organization committed to covering one of America's most important stories, the effort to improve schools for all students. Stay up to date on all of the current events in education at www.chalkbeat.org. Thank you so much for listening in. Tracy Shaw is a PEBC lab host and staff developer who teaches high school math. She is joining us today to unpack her planning process as she begins the very ambiguous task of implementing a math workshop in a hybrid and remote teaching environment. Tracy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So how is it going? Tell us a little bit about your role this year. Well, I am starting my 19th year of teaching high school math in Aurora, Colorado, although it currently feels a bit like I'm back in my first few years of teaching. I'm uh, finding myself trying to navigate lots of things that I haven't navigated before, but we're figuring it out together and I'm definitely leaning into my colleagues more and more than I normally do. I'm really excited for today's conversation to unpack with you what is it like to be a math teacher? You know, what, how is that part of your identity? And then how are you really transforming that math workshop into this remote and virtual setting? Because I know that over the years, you have worked really hard to kind of debunk that STEM stigma, if you will, and to help all of your young mathematicians feel efficacious and strong. And you've given them a voice and you've emphasized, you know, understanding and problem solving over always having to have the right answer. And I know that you really lean into the strands of the PBC teaching framework. So you plan for understanding. You think about community as people and as mathematicians, as thinkers. You craft a workshop that's student-centered. You use discourse as a way to build like community, but also then to build understanding. You implement the thinking strategies and you're always, always assessing. What do my kids know? What do they understand? And what do they need from me? So as you mentioned before, the landscape has shifted. Your school is implementing a hybrid and a remote model. So let's talk a little bit about the structure of your schedule because everyone is interested in everybody's schedules these days and then how that has impacted your planning process. Excellent. Yeah, we are going back in a hybrid setting. So on Mondays, we have a remote day with some office hours for about 20 minutes that kids can join. And then uh, half our students are coming in on Tuesday, Wednesday, and the other half are coming in on Thursday, Friday. And then like the last several years, we've been on a 95-minute block schedule. So we'll see four of our classes or students will have four classes on Tuesday and then another four classes on Wednesday. So what are your students doing when they're not with you? Because you said you're going to see half of your students on one day 
at a yeah, time? Yeah, so they they have their two days there in the building, and then their other two days are for remote learning, where they're accessing things that we're putting online for them to work on. Wow. So you really are blending some kind of open support through some synchronous office hours. You're having in-classroom instruction, and you're having some asynchronous asynchronous learning opportunities. Yep. So obviously you feel like a first-year teacher again, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's a lot of new. So what do you, how are you taking care of yourself? How are you staying sane? Um, so I think one of the things that's really been helping me is um, just I last summer was actually on a little camping trip with some dear friends and we visited Uray, Colorado and um, I was with one of our friends in the little gift shop and she found this t-shirt and she said, oh my gosh, this is perfect for you and my husband and her husband and I are colleagues. And so it was this little Venn diagram, which is, you know, perfect for a math teacher because it's how these three things relate to each other and a nice visual diagram where they overlap. And so in the little overlapping of the three circles was a, an arrow and it said my happy place to that space. And so the t-shirt was mountains, fresh air and beer, which are three of my favorite things um, that are helping me get through this uh, pandemic and craziness. Uh, but that shirt has really sort of become a um, like just a way of organizing my thinking for this upcoming school year. And so I've used that Venn diagram to think about what are three things that I actually really um, enjoy and what brings happiness to my life. And so I created my own Venn diagram with running and baking and camping and shared that with my students last week during orientation. And then I invited them to, to do the same, to share three things that kind of take them to their happy place. And um, it was it was interesting. Many students shared this sense of family and friends and having connections and athletics and activities as being another place. And so I got this sense of wanting to be back in school and with people and um, having that reconnection, if you will. Wow. I love that you started off your school year with your learners by building community and really thinking about, you know, there's been a frame for you that's really helped, like really focusing in on just three things. What are three things that I can do as a person that can bring me happiness right now in this time of so much change and so much unrest? And then you had your students do the same. That's awesome. So I think about, you know, just that idea of really creating those strong relationships, even though you're not going to see your students as often as you have in the past. Yeah. And Michelle, that was another sort of driving force with that is knowing that at any time we could literally shift from this hybrid to completely remote. And then I would always have this document and resource to go back to, to reconnect with my kids when things might get tough. And suddenly I haven't seen them in a week in the remote learning. I can sort of have that in my toolbox to, to access and make connections again. Well, Tracy, I know that you are an and both kind of teacher. So you really value relationships and academics, that both are important to you, and that you see yourself as a facilitator of learner in which you want to make sure your students have strong relationships with you and one another, but that they also have really strong academic skills and understanding. So let's talk a little bit about 
how you're kind of launching the school year in terms of your your math content and and the work that you're doing in your content area. So this is where my Venn diagram came back to life as well. It has helped me sort of, yeah, to uh, set my focus. I have for the last several years been writing a content learning target. So focusing on what skill or understanding I want uh, my students to develop that's related to the content standards. And then I've been writing a thinking learning target, which is kind of the thinking that I hope they'll do in order to make sense of the mathematics to go deeper with it. So the thinking strategies, the standards for math practice. And then um, my third is attending to a habit learning target. And so that's kind of how we support our classroom and make it run um, in a more smooth and effective way that's, you know, builds that community, as you mentioned. And so I created another Venn diagram, which has become our math happy place, where when we're attending to all three of those things, then we're really living in this place where we can get to deeper understanding and have a joy and um, about math and a, a want to be there and understand and learn more. Wow. So I, I'm thinking like right now that I need to like meet up with you in a couple of days and nudge you to write a blog because this is just an incredible framework that you've just presented. So the math happy place for deep understanding, efficacy, and joy is kind of created by focusing on our content, our thinking, and our habits. Yeah. And I've sort of also added a little bit more language to it in terms of the content being this applying of math. And then the thinking is the acting like a mathematician. So we're doing that problem solving, we're figuring things out and then reframing my habit as being human. Like how can we connect with each other? How can we bring ourselves into the space and show kindness and grace? And um, so it's even deeper than sort of the, the typical collaboration and discourse. Mm-hmm. Wow, well, thank you. I think that you're giving us a lot to think about and I know we're just getting started in our conversation. Mm-hmm. So I know that you also uh, don't work in isolation. You mentioned before that you're really leaning into your colleagues. So you've kind of created or thought about this Venn diagram as a component of your classroom, of your kind of infing- your instructional fingerprint, if you will but you're also part of a system or a group. So how is your PLC navigating kind of this time of, of planning with so much uncertainty and limited contact? Yeah, it's, it's been really tricky. You know, we sat down and looked at first quarter and realized that we were going from a time where we would normally see our students 20 class periods to now seeing them seven and a half class periods in first quarter. And so we're really just, trying to get intention about intentional about what are those kind of power standards what are our priorities knowing that we we just we don't have the time and the space to do what we've always done and so we have to think about this year differently and so our PLC worked together to identify those key things that we really think are are going to matter the most for students and so we almost took two units and blended them into one and that's kind of our best thinking right now for first quarter is to to go that route. And so that was really helpful in just narrowing down the content piece before we started getting into the nitty gritty of kind of the weekly planning. Mm-hmm. So now that you've kind of established like 
really the mood and tone for your class with your Venn diagram for the, the formula for success. You've thought about your content and curriculum as a team with a different time frame than you're used to. So now let's talk about that weekly planning because your week is going to feel and sound and look different for you as a designer of student learning and for your students. So how are you thinking about organizing your time across the week? Yeah, so kind of thinking about it in three parts as we have this before class, this in class, and this after class. And so workshop model is really driving my thinking about this. And so I'm really starting with that in-class time and envisioning that as that big work time. And so deciding what is the rich task that we're going to use during this day to build a learning experience that's going to kind of pique kids' interest, get them motivated and engaged in the mathematics. And so starting with that nugget in the week of our in-class work time. And then from there building, okay, what could be something we could ask them to, to do in the before class? And so I'm envisioning that as my opening to the workshop for the week. And so that might be a place where I share a worked out example and ask them what they notice and what they wonder. I might have them watch a short video and then post in a discussion questions that they still have Um, and just use that as a way to hook them in or activate background knowledge. And then my hope is I can take the data from that, which is almost like a pre-assessment as well, and then use that to drive what I end up doing in class with them so that that time can be maximized and utilized um, to kind of the best degree possible. And then from there, thinking of that after class time as an extension of this kind of synthesizing and reflecting. So, you know, we'll still do some holding on to thinking within class time, but then there's this opportunity after class when they're remote to apply that learning and to kind of play around with their new understandings and check and see, do they fully understand it? And if not, have opportunities to then come to office hours, ask questions or post questions. And then I figure out how to weave those things back in to the following class and into the following experiences. Wow. So when you think about the workshop model in your typical brick and mortar classroom, you really think about an engaging opening a way to get kids thinking about content, grappling, activating that schema, then your mini lesson, work time, and reflection. It sounds like in your new schedule, you're really thinking about the whole week as a workshop. Yep, absolutely. Uh, So how has that, I guess you already answered this question. I was going to ask, how has that impacted your planning process? But it sounds like your planning process is going to be dictated by what your students show you or what they tell you and what they're able to do. Absolutely. So it's, you know, I I think I mentioned to you before, just this whole idea of having to be flexible. Kind of my mantra this year is um, flexibility and feedback. And I shared that with my students last week during orientation, you know, that we have to be flexible kind of with ourselves as educators, right? That Right now, we're just making the best decisions we can with the information we have Um, and that we can give ourselves permission to change in the middle of it. And that just because we have this thought, even as a PLC for first quarter of this is the direction and route we want to go, that we can make those changes. Um, So So let's talk about this mantra. 
I mean, it sounds like even though you had your students for just a handful of minutes for orientation, you've really helped set them up for success. I mean, really diving into what makes them happy, what makes us, you know, function well as mathematicians, and now a mantra. So let's talk a little bit about that flexibility and feedback. Yeah. Yeah. So again, flexibility, I think, you know, just giving ourselves that permission, right, to to make changes and realize that um, it's not going to be perfect. You know, we we don't have it figured out. And so, you know, I just asked my students for that kind of that grace in terms of being flexible and then that I can honor them and give them that flexibility in return and know that this is a big change for them as well. And that they have lots of challenges of their own happening at home and just in this, you know, sort of social construct of, of life right now. And so to really try to extend to them that grace and compassion as well. And then I invited them to share feedback. You know, I just, I want them to be able to say, you know what, Michelle, this isn't really working for, for me right now, or we think this would be better. My science teacher is doing it and it's really helping me. And so I think just really like opening that platform as we're all learners together and let's figure this out. Let's build a partnership so that we can make it better for each other. Mm. So really being open to feedback from students about what's working and what's not. Yep. Yeah, so that kind of makes me think about, you know, students are very savvy. They know what they need. They can't always articulate it, but they know when things aren't (laughs) working for them. And I know that you have a very, very high sense of craft as a designer of student learning experiences. So what kinds of tools or strategies have you kind of uncovered or unpacked this summer that you're excited to try out with kids that you think maybe will have some impact on their understanding and their engagement? Because we know that engagement, particularly for adolescents, is going to be a little bit harder in this new environment. Yeah. So I'm actually super excited about Pear Deck, which is a little add-on to Google Slides. And so I've always used PowerPoint slides in my classroom to just kind of remind myself of my flow and post questions and just keep, you know, norms for the classroom present, things like that. And so Pear Deck is a little add-on where students can actually enter in text to a question and they can do it from their phone or from a computer. And then I, as a teacher, can pick two or three that I want to share. And so it might be things that, you know, are right on the mark, or it might be, oh, this is kind of my favorite. No, like, look at four people had this misconception. Let's talk about it. But I can do it completely anonymously. So there's no embarrassment um, on the part of the students, you know, of, oh, no, I made a mistake there. So it really just kind of like fostering that growth mindset and that it's okay to make mistakes in here. And so that. I think is going to be a really powerful tool, especially as I think about being in a classroom and trying to socially distance and not sharing pens and pencils. And so I I think about so much of my time has been spent moving around a classroom with a clipboard and like really looking over kids' shoulders and asking them questions and kind of being in their space. And so I'm a little bit nervous about doing that. And so I think Pear Deck will be that tool that can kind of 
bring all that information really quickly to the whole class. And then, you know, as a class, we can even synthesize what were the, you know, 10 different responses and what patterns do we notice in our thinking? And so I'm excited for that. And I think that'll be a great tool because I can also use it asynchronously. So students can um, use that if we go fully remote, we, you know, could even use it with virtual stuff. So I, I'm kind of always thinking about what's the best bang for the buck when it comes to new technology that I'm going to learn and kind of dive into. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that there are so many new applications. There are so many add-ons. There's so many amazing, amazing tools. But really, it's like form follows function. So mm -hmm. for you, you rely on a lot of feedback to keep your workshops running. And something like Pear Deck allows you to get some in-time feedback in a way that's safe so that you can guide and shift instruction for kids. Yeah, absolutely. Like I'm excited this week, we're doing this penny pyramid problem. And so I want them to predict how many pennies they think there are. And so there's, you know, it just takes all their answers and puts it on a number line. So we'll get to see, you know, who had the lowest prediction, who has the highest, where did we cluster? And so I think there's just some opportunities for um, some neat ways of collecting that data through Pear Deck. Um, and then I also will lean into um, Khan Academy, which you know, I've used in the past for videos, but they have ways to set up classrooms and push out um, particular practice problems that we want kids to engage with. And then they can redo the practice and redo the practice until they get to proficiency. And so they think that's also just going to be another really useful tool for kids to get that instant feedback and then be able to like make adjustments and watch videos and whatnot to kind of increase that understanding. Absolutely, especially when you are not by their side, yeah, or when they're working, yeah, a little bit more asynchronously to be able to to engage in that platform as well. Anything else you're excited to explore or try out with your kids? Um, the other thing is the the Microsoft Teams, which at this point right now I'm just using for office hours on Monday. But I, you know, I'm realistic that we'll probably at some point be fully remote, and so I think that it'll be interesting to to use the Teams and think about breakout groups and how to continue that collaboration and smaller setting as opposed to you know just all always being that whole group. And so I'm thinking that that's also going to be a really useful tool. No, I think that the idea of Teams or Meets or you know, Google Zoom has breakout rooms. It seems like all of the platforms have this kind of a way to get together into small groups. I do think it will be interesting. I'm wondering if students, particularly high school students, are going to advocate or start creating their own groups for study groups and things like that. I just am curious as to if they'll start to, to kind of gravitate into the way in which many adults have set up their kind of work time collaboration. Absolutely. I, I, I certainly think kids will do that. I have seen them do that, you know, over the last several years where, you know, they just talk about, yeah, when I was studying with so-and-so or when I was doing this with this person. And so they are, they're resourceful and they're independent and they do figure things out. And so they'll probably teach me a thing or two about what works best for their collaboration and growth. Oh yeah. And yeah, I was just thinking, you know, as a, as a mom of high school kids, 
Um, they actually have been doing it for years. Uh, they use FaceTime and get FaceTime groups and, and work on you know their homework and help each other out that way. So it'll be really interesting to see what, what we can learn from the kids. Yeah, for sure. So I'm just thinking about this 20 and 20, you know, 2021 school year. And I'd love to um, wrap up by thinking and talking about what are your hopes for the 2021 school year? I think my biggest hope is to just find new and better ways to reach kids and to support them in their journey of understanding um, I, I use this essential question a lot in the beginning of the school year of what else can I add to my mathematical toolbox with my students? And so that's those thinking strategies, those habits, like what supports them as a learner and a problem solver and critical thinker. And I've just been thinking about that question a lot for us as teachers is what else can I add to my toolbox? And so I'm just really excited to have this opportunity to just be pushed Right. And it's really a neat opportunity because we're all being pushed. Every single teacher is is out of their comfort zone right now. Mm-hmm. And so that that, if you will, productive struggle and then kind of being nudged out of a comfort zone. You're inferring is going to lead to some pretty incredible growth as a field. Yeah. Yeah. I just I think we can't do what we always did. And so this is just like that fantastic place to learn and grow. And trust me, it brings me lots of anxiety and nervousness and all that goes along with the unknown. And yet I'm really trying to keep in that space of growth opportunity. Absolutely. So any last words before we wrap up today? Yeah, I was um, I was in my happy place this last weekend. I went up to the mountains camping with my family, my husband and two daughters, and then um, my brother and his partner. And so we were sitting there having breakfast on Saturday morning, and all of a sudden this bird swoops in and takes a piece of um, Nora's French toast. And so my brother explains to her, you know, well that's that's a camp robber, so referring to the bird and. It was just this interesting, she was like, oh, a camp robber, what do you mean? And so my my brother starts talking about how, well, it's like a bank robber. And so then, well, we have to explain what a bank is, you know, because we're talking about a four-year-old. And, and so she's like, what's a bank? And so she has no idea what a bank is because I don't even go to the bank anymore. And so I think about when I was a kid with my mom, every Saturday morning, we would drive to the drive to town. We would go to the bank. We'd go through the drive-through. She'd deposit her checks. We would get a lollipop. We would be thrilled. But now we don't do that. And I still remember the very first time I deposited a check with my phone. I was like, what is this all about? I get to just take two pictures and then voila, the money is in my account. Um, And so again, I think that's the the opportunity that we have here is that like with Nora now, she doesn't have to go to the bank. So that frees me up on Saturday mornings to do other fun stuff with her. And I think when it comes to education, I'm hopeful that we can find new tools and ways of doing things that help us kind of be more like efficient and effective and intentional so that we can support those mathematicians and scientists and readers, writers, artists, you name it. And ultimately kind of support these human beings, right? In kind of this new adventure of the unknown. Wow. 
Tracy, thank you so much. You have really like shared your thinking with us in so many magical and amazing ways. Like thinking about the community piece of a classroom, either brick and mortar or hybrid or remote. You've helped us think about adjusting our curriculum to meet the time that we have with kiddos. You helped us think about the workshop model, not only as a daily structure, but as a weekly structure. And most importantly, you've helped us think about opportunities. What are the opportunities that that we're going to stumble across either, you know, very, very graciously or accidentally during this time of great ambiguity and change? So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you, Michelle. Thank you for joining us today. We hope our time together provided inspiration and information. I would like to thank our sponsor, Chalkbeat. In addition to reporting on current events in education, Chalkbeat has a jobs board. So if you're looking for your next career opportunity, check it out. You'll find teaching, leadership, tech, and nonprofit education jobs. Or if you're looking to recruit for open positions, consider posting on the Chalkbeat Jobs Board. You'll be connecting with people who are up to date on the latest education news and trends. Posting start at just $149 per month. In closing, PEBC is headquartered in Denver, Colorado and works both locally and nationally to cultivate agency, equity, and understanding as described in Phenomenal Teaching by Wendy Ward-Hoffer. We now provide customized virtual and on-site professional development, coaching, institutes, and courses. We also prepare new teachers via the PEBC Teacher Residency Program. Check us out at pebc.org.